If Madison agrees on one thing, it's the need for more affordable housing. A development plan by Dane County would create new affordable housing. I think there's a growing interest in the development community. There's growing demand for uh, multifamily housing. Madison Mayor Satya Rhodes-Conway says the city is facing an affordable housing crisis with 50% of residents paying more than a third of their income toward housing costs. The average single-family home in Madison now tops $300,000, and according to the National Low-Income Housing Coalition, the average two-bedroom apartment in Dane County, which includes a lot of rural areas, goes for $1,200. For a Midwestern city of our size, it's incredibly expensive to live in Madison. Here's what the mayor said about the issue during her successful run for mayor last spring. I'm very aware that not everyone has the same opportunities that I've had here in Madison. So I was able to find a great place to live and buy a house and get great jobs. But that's not available to everyone, whether they've grown up here or whether they, like me, have moved here more recently. And we need to work on our affordable housing market. With all of that concern, you would think that the city would welcome a developer and nonprofit working together to bring 78 affordable units to downtown Madison, the Judge Doyle Square project. Instead, the city has been nitpicking where the affordable units would be located in a tall tower downtown, demanding that some of them be near the top. And as a result, we're probably going to have either fewer units that are affordable, more cost to the city, or both. When it comes down to actually supporting it and and getting to the gritty of how you actually build affordable housing, Madison can still find a way to screw it up. (laughs) And that's our topic for today's Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the political cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. First of all, I want to say this, Scott, as we as we as we're about to go trash Madison for about 20 minutes. But I want to start by saying, well, I'm not going to trash. I'm going to constructively encourage Madison to do the right thing. I'm going to trash. But I want to say <laughs> I love Madison. I mean, it's it's yeah. probably the greatest city in America. It's awesome. But we often find ways to make the perfect the enemy of the good. Yeah. We overthink things. Overthink things. with our eggheads. One guy who spent a lot of time thinking about affordable housing was former mayor for life, Paul Soglin. He had crowed about a four-year, roughly $25 million initiative to create more than 1,000 units of housing for homeless and low-to-moderate income families by 2020, and he said he achieved that. But Satch Rhodes-Conway, who beat him, said that wasn't good enough. That's probably not good enough. Our State Journal editorial board on August 4th in an editorial titled Don't Skew Affordable Housing Goals said that Madison should maximize lower cost apartments without demanding luxury views. Phil, I liked the lead of this editorial. It says, the Madison City Council shouldn't confuse the serious need for affordable housing in the city with high-rise penthouses. A lot of people on the city council are saying that building 78 units of affordable housing downtown isn't good enough. Those units can't be near the bottom of the tower. They have to be spread throughout the building and including up at the top. I'm going to quote from our editorial again. 
When did the goal of encouraging more affordable housing in Madison morph into demands for panoramic scenery from high above the central city? Most people would consider living on the top floors of a downtown tower to be a luxury, not an affordable option. Well, this whole like push for social equity, which I'm all about, but it's at a certain point you need to get as many... We have an affordable housing crisis, do we not? I mean, I did a cartoon about this recently where I had, you know, people are saying, we have this crisis, we have this crisis, but we aren't acting like we have a crisis. If we had a crisis, we would be building as many units as possible. And instead, we're hemming and hawing over what units have what views and is it cruel to build as many units as efficiently as possible in one part of a building. This story begins in 2007 when when, uh, former mayor... Not for life, Dave Cheslevich was talking about the Judge Doyle Square project and his plan for the public market there. Judge Doyle Square is this huge development that is finally starting to go up in downtown Madison. It's across two blocks. It's right behind the city municipal building and is going to take up the Government East lot there. Which, unlike our schools, is literally crumbling. If you go in there, you can see occasionally some cement that has fallen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This development has been start. It's a bit of a soap opera. Soap opera. I mean, it involves and it's in its like tenth season or something. Tenth season, seventh season, maybe season three where they had where they were going to analyze poop down there. Is that (laughs) was that season three with Exact Sciences? Right, Exact Sciences, the company that's taking off now. uh, They had talked about being down there. Bob Dunn, who built the Edgewater for a while, he had a giant proposal for that site. Which the city put the kibosh on because it yeah. was going to reuse the municipal building as part of a, a grand entryway yeah. to a hotel. Yeah, which apparently is off limits. We need it to be a dank office building. Then there was Beitler came in from Chicago, who they picked to do a bunch of stuff. That didn't work out. And They sued back and forth a gazillion times. They're still fighting over stuff. So they split Beitler out of part of it with a buyout, and now in comes these three proposals. Basically, the city said, hey, we, you know, here's an opportunity. We'd like somebody to do affordable housing here. So Get Part Development came in and said, we're going to do a bunch of affordable housing. We're going to give mm-hmm. you, we're going to build 100, what's the number, Scott, 197 units of housing? About that, and uh, 78 would be, quote, unquote, affordable housing, meaning that if you make less than 50-some thousand dollars a year total for a family of three, so that could be a mom with two kids or it could be a couple with one kid. In any case, if you're making that amount of money and you're working, you can get one of those apartments and you will not have to pay more than a third of your income towards that apartment. Yeah. And these are going to be nice apartments. They're right just block off the square, basically. In a neighborhood where most apartments are going for at least $2,000 a month, I would assume. And when the three proposals came in, we right away said hey, this one proposal by Gephardt has a whole bunch of affordable housing units in it. This one looks the best. This one looks great. Beyond that, they were going to invest a whole bunch of private money in it and uh, create a lot of tax base at the same time. So we said, hey, this Gephardt thing looks great. City staff analyzed it and decided that that plan wasn't as... Safe. uh, It was a little riskier. Than some other plans with less affordable housing. But basically, the the city council said, no, we like Gephardt best too. Then the details got a little murky because it turned out that Gephardt's plan was to basically make three stories. Now, our assumption's always been it's the bottom three stories of the tower, but we don't Mm -hmm. know if it's the bottom three, the middle three, or the top three stories or somewhere in between. They were not going to be at the top. (laughs) (laughs) A three-story condominium that was going to be managed by an affordable housing not-for-profit. 
Yes, the not-for-profit would buy the whole thing as one condominium, and then because it did that, it would be able to get federal subsidies to help it. Which sounded fine. He's like, hey, let's use, let's leverage some federal tax yeah. dollars and get some really good affordable units right in the middle of downtown Madison, a neighborhood that's just completely gentrified. We have a lot of workers down there, some who don't make a lot of money, service industry and others. Let's create some right there where they work downtown. Yeah. So it seemed like a great opportunity until... Alas, it started to get yeah. overthought. Some city officials said, well, wait a minute. If we have affordable units in that building that aren't next to and interspersed with all the other units, how are the people that live in those units going to feel? Well, they're going to they call about it. They're being segregated onto three floors, you know, so they're going to be feel like they're isolated from the rest of the community. They're going to they're going to be aware that they're low income. They would be low to middle income. You could make up to 50 some thousand dollars for a family. Three. Yeah. It's been tough because two of the city council people that have been fighting this the hardest have been some of our favorite city council people because we agree with them on a lot of issues. Donna Heard-Morland, who during our endorsement meeting was really impressive. She's the one who's really been fighting against the idea of them all being segregated together in the three floors. She's been really the biggest proponent of them moving them around, like interspersing the units throughout the, the building. This, this is very troubling to me, extremely troubling. And I understand the financial benefits to the city if we do it this way but what about the um the individual optics and the individual um how will people be made to feel having to be on a separate floor where it's known that these floors are segregated and we're just putting it out there that that these floors are this group and these floors are that group I would rather there be no affordable housing in there rather than to make people make such a, a disparate um, situation for people. I, it's just very troubling for me. I like Donna Moreland, but I can't disagree with her more on her points here. She'd rather have no affordable housing than to have 78 units of affordable housing for people who couldn't otherwise live in Madison, much less downtown. And we're going to worry that they feel somehow excluded, even though they're in this fancy new tower and they enter in the same door that the other people enter in, in the building. They get to use the gym and other amenities the same. And when you think about it, every tower downtown is segregated by income. If you have a lot of income, you can live at the top of a tower downtown and look over the city. It's beautiful. Yeah. If you want to save some money because you don't have as much money, you live lower in the tower. That's yeah, just that's, how the world works. That's how it works, yeah. And um, you could say that we're segregated. You know, I don't live downtown. I live over on the east side. Yeah. And not in the, you Not know, in the cool part of the east yeah, side. Yeah, <laughs> not where you have to spend a half a million dollars for a home either. Yeah. Lots of neighborhoods and buildings are segregated by income because nicer places cost more. So now the city council wants to come in, at least some on the city council, and say, no, 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 you can't, you can't have 78 affordable units unless you mix them up with all of the other units, including putting some up by the top. Yeah, and it sounds like, I believe, the city's already lost its op- I, th- I think the, I, the opportunity for the loan has come and gone from the federal government. The nonprofit, which, you know, wasn't a evil, quote-unquote, landlord. It was the Wisconsin Housing Preservation Corp that was going to own the lower-cost units and, and keep them as affordable units forever. 
They warned the city finance committee that complicating this could make the whole thing untenable. And having different scattered, you know, collateral throughout the building is difficult. Um, I, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it's going to add cost and complexity. It might be to a point where just in the early stages of analyzing this from a feasibility standpoint, it might throw the whole deal out. I don't know. You know, that's the concern I have. That was Mary Wright, president of the Wisconsin Housing Preservation Corp at a finance committee in July, and she was right. The city is probably going to have to spend more money or raise how much people need to earn in order to qualify to get into an apartment in this building. So the city's going to have to chip in $2.5 million to cover the affordable housing costs now. It sounds like the city council will not allow the 78 to be all in the same spot, which cancels out the loan, which either means we'll have fewer units of affordable housing in this project, uh, maybe as few as half as many, or the city will spend more to subsidize these units, or both. Yes, and it sounds like both is probably what's going to happen. <laughs> is we're going to have fewer units for people of higher incomes, so that they'll have a higher income threshold, and the city is going to spend a lot more money to do it. Yes, all because we want some of the people in these units to not feel bad about living closer to the bottom of a brand new building downtown. In the middle of downtown, and in, in, in one of the most desirable neighborhoods yes. in downtown. Oh, boo-hoo. City council sounds like they're going to decide that creating less units of housing is and, and making sure that everything's equal. Everyone feels well. And everyone feels good about it. That's more important than making sure more low-income families get good housing downtown. The, another thing that people are confusing this with, too, is they're confusing this workforce housing with someplace like Tree Lane, which is emergency housing for people that are just off the streets and homeless. This is very different from that. Yeah. You know, there are some people that seem to think that if you put all, you know, the, the, one of the criticisms of Tree Lane was that you put all of these struggling families together in one spot, and of course you're going to have yeah. more police calls. And there have been some city council people that have sort of hinted that we're going to have increased police calls because we're going to combine all of these low-income people into these yeah. bottom three floors of this tower downtown. And that's confusing what workforce housing is versus low-income housing. Here's one more clip from that July Madison Finance Committee meeting. This is older woman Shiva Bidar. We just, from a policy perspective, do not believe that concentrating people in the same floors is a good idea. Um, that it sends a very negative message for both the people that live there and for us as a community. And also, it just doesn't work. Um, we feel that it needs to be trans. It just nobody should know who is living on what levels of income. People should interact um, with each other um, as uh, human beings at the social level, and that that's what creates actually a better city and a better place to live. So, from a very high level, and you know, we could go on about all of those for a long time. But from a very high level, that's where we're coming from, from a policy level. There's a utopian error to this view, and I think what it creates is fewer affordable housing units for people who are struggling in Madison. And in every other tower in Madison, we all know the people who live near the top make more money and income than the people near the bottom. It'll be interesting to see where the mayor comes in on this. She said specifically in our meeting that she, we're not going to fight over the color of the brick anymore. She said putting up lots of impediments to development increases cost, which it does. And that's what's happening here, ironically, 
as we try to create more affordable units. All the hoops that requires you to jump through in Madison to get your project from start to finish, that increases the value and the rents of every of every property that we do that we do in Madison. The more we gunk up the JDS Judge Doyle Square project with ever more requirements and approvals, the more expensive it gets, which means the harder it is to provide affordable housing. Yeah. And the mayor seems to get that, so it'll be interesting to see where she comes down. The city finance committee met last week to discuss this very topic, but they did so behind closed doors. I assume the exemption to the open meetings law was for negotiating purposes, that they're trying to decide how to negotiate with the developer. And my guess is they stick more money into it. That's the Madison way. That's the Madison way. <laughs> There's nothing that taxpayers' dollars can't fix. <laughs> exactly. It's getting to the point where if you need to, if you want to find an affordable house, yeah. you have to have a car to be able to drive to that house, which makes that house cost more money because you need to have transportation to get there. Well, and that's part of the push for the bus rapid transit, these faster buses that go more directly downtown and other places where there's lots of jobs, which Sacha Roads Conway is pushing, is the idea that we can get workers to where they need to be quicker and more efficiently and which is how big cities do it. You know, if everybody had to drive into Manhattan, we'd be, you know, that nobody would ever get there. Part of what's tough about this too is like 15-ish years ago, I bought a home on the east side for $129,000. Yes. Okay, now it's getting up probably valued close to 180 and could probably sell for well over 200,000. What's happening in our neighborhood? It's gentrifying. We're getting the fancy coffee shop and the seafood deli and the workout place and the and the and the high end uh, pet food place. So and some of the crummy rentals in your neighborhood have been have, have, they're going away. They're going away. They're being on the market, and people might yeah. move into them soon. You the know, neighborhood so. is getting better, and it's good <laughs> for you because you own your home. Because I'm there, and I can afford it. But that's the tough thing: is you get people who've lived in neighborhoods who appreciate gentrification, but that makes it less affordable for people to get into a neighborhood. The biggest thing the city needs to do is just make development and density easier. You know, we are scared of tall buildings in this town, and tall buildings make, make makes, you can put, pack more units into a taller building. Yeah, and we're not talking about violating the sight lines to the Capitol building. There's a, there's a state law on that. Yeah. That within a mile of the Capitol, you can only go to like the bottom rung of the Capitol there. But outside of that mile, we should, you know, the, the city shouldn't be scared of, of, of getting taller in well, various places. And for that matter, within that mile, there's a whole bunch of space to go up. Yeah. I, I remember hearing about this. They had a hurricane that struck Houston a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you know, Houston is just very poorly planned out. They've just kind of built subdivisions willy nilly. But you know what Houston also is? really affordable. Yeah. You can buy a house there for seventy to eighty thousand dollars, which is why there's it's got huge home ownership rates. It's really affordable for especially new immigrants to the country can yeah. afford to to live there. And and it maybe it doesn't look as nice as Madison does, but it's much more equitable than Madison is. Yeah. If it's affordable. You know, and so there's gotta be a happy balance between Houston where they just let developers do whatever willy-nilly all over the place and built really cheap houses that aren't really yeah. well built. And Madison, or a place like California where they have really strict building codes, which makes everything super expensive and you need to be a millionaire to buy a house in California. There's a lot of communities near Madison that shake their heads and say, oh my God, we would love a development like that. But Madison wants to nitpick the shrubs or the bricks or say it needs to be too story shorter 
and it needs this much affordable housing, and they have to put a bicycle center in. Yeah. And every time they every time they nitpick that, they make it harder for a yeah. single mom to afford that unit. Another story that's been in the news is these jet airplanes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. there's concern that, oh, my gosh, the people who live by the airport in neighborhoods that don't have as much money, they're going to be most affected by these jets from the new jets that are coming in. It's kind of like, no kidding. Guess why there's affordable housing by the airport? Because nobody wants to live with jets going over If they them. can afford not to. If they can afford not to. Maybe we should have the jets go other places too. Like maybe we should build like a little satellite place on the west side to keep the keep the housing values down on the west side too. Maybe we could have them fly right over Shorewood Hills, and then the then the the values would plummet there. Oh yeah. And then and the could, pool wouldn't be so busy. Yeah, we could all move in then. To subscribe to the Wisconsin State Journal Digital Edition, go to madison.com slash subscribe now. You can get three months of full access for just three bucks. To listen to past episodes of Center Stage with Milford and Hands, go to go.madison.com slash center stage. All of the music on our podcast is by Tube Tester.